Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danka, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang. It's time now for the bigger picture. Lots of things to digest and dissect today. And a lot of these will definitely influence your investment decisions. We're going to be talking about Russia, Ukraine, also central bank action, aren't we, Ryan? Lots on the plate. And I think investors will be watching very closely what's happening out of Ukraine and around Ukraine. So... U.S. President Joe Biden will be speaking with Chinese President Xi Jinping to talk about Russia and Mr. Biden hoping to coax China into pressuring Russian President Vladimir Putin to call off his war. Yeah. And this is around headlines where we are getting reports that the U.S. is expecting Russia to make threats to use nuclear weapons against the West if things don't go their way soon. Also, oil prices in action, it's back above $100 a barrel. And that's on mixed signals from peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. And also Russia reportedly making a payment for that $117 million bond payment, thereby avoiding a default. But very little details on that front. To get a bigger picture, we've got Carl Roder. He is the market analyst for IG. Morning, Carl. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Hey, Carl, let's get a take first on what's driving markets. You've got stocks overnight on Wall Street rallying for a third day in a row. How are investors positioning themselves after a race cycle? Is this the reaction you, you expected with so much uncertainty in the economic outlook? Yeah, it has been certainly quite interesting. Um, I suppose you've had this dynamic of sell the rumour, you know, by the facts, so to speak, um, with what happened with the Fed yesterday. I think we're starting to get some mixed signals in, in financial markets overall. Obviously, equities are rallying. Some of that too is due to the interventions of you know the Chinese national team, um, uh, as they preferably re- referred to, as well as you know some signs of tentative progress in talks between uh, Ukraine and Russia. Um, but despite the fact that those issues haven't really subsided, there's some really you know um, quite um, high conviction moves happening in equities at the moment. And you know you've got a lot of strategists out there on Wall Street suggesting that we might be on the cusp of, of a bit of a turnaround. I'm a a bit skeptical um, because mm. inflation story is, is still one that's very very strong and um, you know we're just we're seeing central banks walk a very very fine line when it comes to trying to, to rein that in uh, but nevertheless price action is, is clearly, clearly quite bullish um, again a lot of conviction behind these moves so you have to respect that um, although I just you know in my gut it, it feels to me that with these you know major issues still going on in the macro backdrop um, the volatility we've experienced over the last month isn't behind us just yet. Yeah Carl talking about rising prices oil back above $100 again and we've seen that going up and down down, mostly up in the past few weeks. Is there any correlation we can try and make sense of with um, how oil prices move perhaps in the inverse direction to equity markets usually? Is that something we can expect? Well, I mean, I think at the moment, it depends in, in terms of where you're talking, uh, what you're talking about in terms of equity as well and the other backdrop in terms of monetary policy and other, other sort of narratives that we're following across the world. You know, I'll talk about, you know, the ASX 200, the, the oil price has probably been a positive thing and the broader dynamics we've seen in commodity prices have probably been a positive thing to the ASX 200. So I suppose it's, you know, one of those things you can't categorically say it's bad for, for stocks overall. But, you know, it's certainly the risk that, you know, um, at the moment it's a very headline-driven market. It's probably a market that's not behaving quite efficiently and these sort of 7% moves, um, which, you know, is actually relatively modest to what we saw in terms of the rallies um, last week or so. You know, it does speak of a market that is you know, very, very volatile and very, very uncertain at the moment. Um, and it is 
being very much driven by, again, headlines. Um, and last night, the, the move was very much off the, the back of reports that although we've seemingly had this progress in talks between Ukraine and Russia over the last week or so, um, those were sort of watered down a little bit by the Russian side overnight, suggesting that you know, maybe these risks to production as well as sanctions being imposed on, on Russian gas exports and, and, and oil exports as well uh, could be still on the cards. So we had that risk premium baked in. But, you know, it's a, it's a very noisy market. It's very much driven by headlines and, and speculation. Um, and if we do, did hypothetically get another rally to, to say, 120 $130, $140 a barrel on, on Brent, you know, that is going to be a major risk for, for some quarters of the equity market. You know, we saw um, tech stocks, for example, slammed by that. So um, it's, a, it's an ongoing risk. And again, like I said before, with this still on, in, in the background and, you know, not a huge, um, you know, uh, sense of clarity about, you know, the way the war can unfold, it's still kind of a, a lingering source of volatility that I think will persist. Yeah, Carl, on that note, um, let's talk about commodities. And that's really making headlines with the London Metal Exchange seeing more chaos. Uh, it's been down for a second day with a lot of um, glitches on the exchange. Uh, so the limit down previously was 5%, then went to 8%, and now they are pushing it to 12%. Uh, but still a lot of chaos, and we are, still a bit of, we are seeing a bit of easing in prices there, at least for nickel. Is this a sign that we could see commodity prices easing up from here? Well, I mean, I think what's happening in nickel at the moment is really separate from fundamentals quite naturally. You know, we, we saw an extraordinary situation where we had this epic short squeeze um, and then, you know, we had a, the subsequent reaction from the LME effectively to cancel, you know, um, suspend trade for as long as it has and then obviously cancel, you know, a series of orders which many of which were, were driven by, you know, speculators that were just pumping up the price. Um, so, you know, we don't really have a good feel at the moment as far as what's happening on the exchange as to where, you know, a fair price or a fair value is for, for nickel right now. I still think that there is significant upside risk to commodity, the commodity complex overall, and that is because of supply disruptions um, that are stemming from this conflict and, you know, the prospect that some, you know, uh, uh, Russia being, you know, a, a, a responsible for 10% of, you know, the global uh, nickel production could be taken away from global markets, and that's that's still a, a major factor. But what we've got in, in the LME right now is, is thinner liquidity because people have lost a lot of confidence in, in the exchange. We've got a lot of this, um, this price action um, moving to the downside, really, because buyers have been stripped from the market. Those speculators have, have, um, who were initially pushing prices to, to unsustainable and un- unnatural levels are you know, basically coming out of the market and, and now prices are correcting a little bit. I think it's just going to take a few days to get a sense of where a fair value is for, for nickel. Um, commodity complex, though, going forward, like you said, it's it's still a, a very bullish story um, because of, you know, again, these inflation impulses across the world, as well as these continued production disruptions that we're seeing from from several, several um, sources, but, you know, chiefly at the moment, what's happening in Eastern Europe. Yeah, Carl, let's switch gears to central banks. And we saw the FMC this week raising rates for the first time in nearly three years and the Bank of England raising rates for a third meeting in a row. And we will be getting the BOJ, the Bank of Japan, in action later this morning. What can we expect? What's on their plate as they head into their policy decision? Yeah, well, you know, we're not really going to see any change to, to actual policy. Um, you know, clearly the, the fundamentals for the Bank of Japan or the Japanese economy are much different to that which we've seen across the rest of the world. You, inflation has picked up there, but, you know, it's nowhere near the level that we've seen um, since uh, in, in other parts of the world, and it's nowhere near the levels required to start to time policy in, in Japan. You know, there, there is kind of a, the, the ongoing debate, and we're, we're seeing this, I think, in the way that central banks are trying to, to bring in um, um, uh, rain down inflation and, and the way that they're, you know, progressing 
into it in terms of tightening policies that there's a little bit of wishful thinking going on that because this is a supply side concern that some of those supply side pressures will abate going forward and that wouldn't have that natural effect of bringing inflation down anyway and therefore you know very aggressive policy to, to crimp demand um, is either unnecessary or, or completely um, unhelpful so uh, the big thing for me is um, looking at what the, the Bank of Japan potentially says about um, the economic guidance going forward because what will probably be a bigger, um, uh, what will have a more significant impact, I should say, on, on Japan's economy is the fact that it's a, a major oil importer. Um, so higher energy prices is probably going to crimp its growth. Inflation is, is low enough that they don't have to slam the brakes on the economy like, say, the Fed might have to do or the Bank of England um, you know, might have to do as well. Um, and we're going to be looking at how sort of the, the, the weaker growth environment going forward is going to, to manifest in you know, how um, you know, the Bank of Japan continues to try and monitor policy while, again, trying to push inflation towards its target, which, again, is, is not happening because of demand factors but because of supply-side concerns. So it, it's not going to be probably quite as eventful as exciting, unfortunately, is the FOMC or Bank of England over the last couple of days. Um, but, you know, for, for traders of the yen um, who are, are looking at what's happening in yields at the moment and, you know, the, the, the Bank, of England, Bank of Japan's desire to keep um, yields stable and, and obviously um, financial conditions reasonably accommodative, um, it will be interesting at the margins how, how it does um, execute that, especially in this environment where there are factors weighing on Japan's um, economic outlook um, and, and the changes that have come about in the, in the last month or at least since the last time that the Bank of Japan met. All right, no changes expected for the BOJ coming up later this morning. Uh, we've been chairing Carl Roda. He is the market analyst for IG. Carl, thanks for your time, and we'll catch up again with you soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.